G'day and welcome to The Grass is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. If this is your first time tuning in to The Grass is Greener, make sure you subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll automatically receive each episode as soon as it's released. G'day, welcome to another episode of The Grass is Greener. So glad to have you along. Hope your week has been a beauty. This week, we are going to be chatting a little bit about financial services regulations. Why? Well, there's been a lot of scams, schemes, dodgy advisors, dodgy people, con artists over the years that have helped people part with their money and in a lot of cases damaged them in a manner that they can't recover from. It's something that a number of people do worry about when they seek financial advice. Now, how can I know that I'm trusting in this person? How can I know that I'm trusting in the process? What regulations are they abiding by? And I wanted to spend some time today really uncovering that from a consumer's point of view so that they can understand how things have really changed. And they have changed enormously, in the, particularly in the last 10 years, particularly in the last five years. So I've got a fantastic guest with us today, Marcus O'Sullivan from Affinia Financial Advisors. Marcus and Affinia are the uh, the group that regulates my business and the license financial services license that I work under. We went through a number of elements of the financial advice process and we talked about you know, how those have, have evolved over time, how the financial services licensee engages with the regulators such as ASIC and needs to ensure that um, they're reporting through all elements that they need to to the regulator. And I think you get a sense from that how full on that regulation is now. And then also how they regulate us as advisors and how they coach us to ensure that what we're delivering to our clients is really high quality. Really uh, great 30 minutes for you to spend understanding how all of that works as well as we did touch on scams towards the end of the chat and Marcus had some really um, great uh, tips on ways for anyone to do their homework on a financial advisor and a financial service licensee if they're thinking about getting advice. In fact, it's a must that you would do that homework. So enjoy the chat with Marcus O'Sullivan. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass is Greener Facebook group where you can connect, share and learn from other people just like you. I'm joined today, really excited by this one, the head of Affinia, our financial licensee. Marcus O'Sullivan. How are you, Moz? I am very well, thanks, Tim. Thanks for inviting me along. It is equally <laughs> exciting for me as well. Oh, it's really good. Um, do you know what the funny part is, Moz? We we hear you talk so often um, when we, you know, we're getting those briefings from you about 
the financial regulations and the, the environment we're in. So it's great to have you in a different forum. No, great to be here. <laughs> um, well, mate, thanks for coming on to chat about the role of a financial service licensee. I think it's really important for uh, consumers to understand that because uh, um, they play a really great role for them. Um, in the delivery of high-quality financial advice. But before we jump into that, I'd love you to just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, both personally and professionally. Okay. Well, professionally is probably the easiest one to start with. <laughs> yeah. um, I joined the financial services industry back way, 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 way back in 1993 um, at a company called Australian Fixed Trust, which no longer <laughs> exists anymore. Yeah. Um, over the last 30 odd years, I've worked across investments, uh, financial advice, life insurance, reinsurance, and a whole host of other areas in financial services. Um, it, it, it continues to be, and it has been a, a wonderful career um, in what I think is a really, really, really important sector, um, not only for the participants, but also for, for Australian consumers as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, personally, um, pretty straight up and down. I'm a reasonably passionate Brisbane Broncos supporter <laughs> and equally passionate New South Wales Waratahs supporter. So the irony in that statement is not lost on me. No. Um, look, my happy place, my partner and I are avid cooks. So we enjoy time in the kitchen with a glass of wine, cooking up all sorts of things. Um, but my other happy place is definitely spending time with my two children and my two-year-old granddaughter. Oh, yes. Fantastic. Uh, well, no doubt she will be running the show really quick. Already is. If she's not already, exactly. Um, well, so look, for those who aren't familiar with the structures involved with a financial services licensee, um, just sort of explain your role, you know, like who is a licensee and sort of how do they interact with the, the financial advisors like us? Okay, good question. So a licensee is an entity that holds an Australian financial services license. So those licenses are assessed and issued by the Australian Securities and Investment Commission or ASIC as they're commonly known. Essentially, a licensee has a number of roles and responsibilities, all of which are codified under law. So one of the most important parts of being a licensee is we have an obligation to operate the license honestly, efficiently and fairly, which I think adds to, I suppose, a raft of other obligations that are around just in the most simplest terms, making sure everyone who operates under the license does the right thing. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important. And, and you'd know full well, Tim, being part of the Affinia community, um, we are a community of like-minded professionals and yeah. no one wants to see anyone doing the wrong thing under our licence. And I think that's another great thing about a licensee is the community and a community that keeps each other, uh, holds each other to account to make sure that we do do the right thing. I, th I think, Moz, um, the fact that you say you've been working in this um, profession or industry for 30 years um, is probably a good place to start because I think a lot of consumers say, say, might say to me, oh, you know, look, there's been so many dodgy things go on with financial advisors over the years. You know, nothing's really ever changed. I think you would be a great um, 
person to chat to about that through those 30 years, how things have actually changed in a massive way, particularly in the last decade. Oh, the change has been seismic. And, and that's probably an understatement in itself. Way back when um, financial advisors used to give financial product advice and issue what was called a customer advice record. So it was essentially yeah. three pieces of paper with a signature on it. Now we've morphed through probably four significant tranches of legislation into the current environment that we have now, which is incredibly high, highly regulated. We'd have to be one of the most regulated professions out of all of the professions. Yeah. Um, and that three-page document now can morph into a 180-page document that's full of research, comparison, um, goals, objectives, all, all of those things, which mm. is the right thing to do. And to give our clients more information than less is also the right thing to do. So the, the shift has been humongous. Um, I think what happened is from a regulatory point of view, throughout the 90s and, and early 2000s into probably, you know, 2010 onwards, we've, we've jammed in probably 20 years worth of regulation in the last five. <laughs> yeah, it feels that way. It does. It Throw does in indeed. a global pandemic in there too. Uh, just for good measure. <laughs> um, so I guess, you know, we don't want to, this is a, a, about consumers, uh, this little session we're having. So it's good for them to know, understand how much regulations involved there. I think just from the point of view of saying, well, you know, there's people being held to a regulation and being held to account. But ultimately, how do you feel that that interaction and the interaction you have with the financial advisor impacts the end consumer? I think it's a really positive in impact because it's another level of consumer protection. So mm. to me, there, there's two very different skill sets. There, there's one that you have, Tim, as a professional financial advisor. And yeah. there's one that I have as being the head of a financial services licensee. Um, so from that perspective, we've got our roles to make sure that we all do the right thing and the consumer always benefits. One of the, I suppose, positive impacts from a consumer point of view of a licensee is we take on all the regulatory and compliance heavy lifting. So that's not done at a firm specific level, which means people like you, Tim, and everyone else in the Affinia community can concentrate 100% on their clients and doing what they yeah. do best, which is giving great advice to their clients. Yeah, and I think even really interesting, even from a product point of view, I think you know that's where clients would understand uh, some of that to say, um, you know, we don't just, Tim Henry doesn't wake up and go, oh, I might um, try this product out with a client today. Um, you guys have already looked at all of those products and and you, you don't allow some of them to be used because you, you're sort of not happy that they do provide enough protection for consumers and and we have got to deal with the products that um, have met that criteria. That's absolutely right. So for the benefit of your clients tuning in today, Tim, we have what's called an approved product list. So any product that anyone in the Affinia community recommends to one of their clients is backed up with either qualitative and in most cases also quantitative research and analytics. Yeah. Um, we partner with a number of investment research firms 
and we look at their ratings and their research to see if products are either recommended by them or highly recommended um, before they can actually come onto our approved product list and be used by um, the firms within Affinia. Um, also from an insurer's perspective, um, we have an investment committee. Um, we meet every quarter. We discuss either new products that advisors would like to see on the APL, or we go through any new due diligence for new insurance companies and new products. Um, a lot of your clients mightn't resonate, resonate with this, but in the life insurance sector, there've been a lot of change over the last couple of years, and yeah. a brand new product suite has been released um, for income protection policies. So from that perspective, we look at all of those policies and make sure that they're fit for purpose, they meet a target market determination to ensure that the people that are being recommended, so the, the products being recommended are suitable for the people they're being recommended for is the simplest way yeah. I could put it. Yeah. And I think it's, a, it's, it's a vital piece. And I think we, it's something that I really value um, in our role when we're recommending products, because we've had the odd time that we've said, look, um, to the team at Affinia, could we, we really have spoken to the, these product people and we, we like to look at their product. Could we get this put on the list? And, you know, once the, there's a bit of analysis done and an understanding of their situation, it might come back and say, look, it's not going on for these reasons. They're the concerns. And once those concerns are flagged and we can see them too, it's like, yeah, well, great. We wouldn't want to deal with that either. So it's a really strong framework, I reckon. It is, and, and it's to avoid advisors having to do all the research themselves, which, which might not necessarily be a strength. Um, well, just, it's not. Just to make sure. <laughs> Let's yeah, just call it. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and just to avoid, you know, I suppose, unregistered investment schemes. You know, you know from time to time, people do do the wrong thing. Um, hmm. And there have been a number of, you know, quite prominent investment scams over the years, um, we had the agribusiness um, issue way back when in the early 2000s, um, issues with structured products. And I must say, and hopefully your clients get a laugh out of this, the most bizarre request we've ever had was a number of years ago where an advisor wanted to use a Beijing-based chicken income fund. Um, <laughs> That is serious, is it? Yeah, but clearly we <laughs> clearly we said no. <laughs> oh, very good. Um, so one one of the things I did want to touch on, um, Marcus, was you know there's a lot of consumer focused components that need to be met by advisors. Now I think this has been one of the biggest changes uh, in the last uh, ten or fifteen years. Is we need to link every everything that we recommend to a client has to be really linking back to achieving some objective that they have already outlined is important to them. Um, so I just thought it'd be great for you just to talk through some of this component because uh, there's a few components to this around the facts that we uh, discuss with clients and their goals and the strategies that then follow on from that? Yeah, sure. Well, one of the most important roles of a financial advisor is gathering information. Um, being able to understand the relevant circumstances that a client finds themselves in is really, really important. Um, yeah. In the advice process, we do that via a discovery process where we sit down and ask a raft of questions of clients 
Um, sometimes clients can think that that's a little bit onerous, but I think after the conversation and the education piece with the advisor, just demonstrating that without all this information, we can't do the right thing by you. And that's yeah. what we do. Um, so that's really the, the starting point. It's also important for advisors to understand clients' short, medium and long-term goals. Um, the whole purpose of financial advice is to help people reach their goals. Um, yeah. The byproduct of reaching your goals is people who receive good advice and achieve their financial goals usually are healthier as well. They have better lives. They're happier. Um, so they're all the fantastic byproducts from getting good advice. And you can't help someone achieve a goal if you don't know what they are and when they want to achieve it. <laughs> That's right. And I think it's a bit like uh, we use the analogy sometimes of a, of a doctor. Um, I don't know if you were about to go in for an operation, you'd be pretty happy for the doctor to know everything possible about your body before you went under the knife, wouldn't you? Uh, that would be advisable. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, yeah, that's the discovery part and, and really important. And it, I, I think as we've um, got better and better at this discovery component in the last decade, our clients also now embrace that too and can see that in a lot of cases we're you know we're all busy if someone was to say right i sit down right this second and give me a list of your short medium and long-term objectives you're probably going to be scratching your head a bit but part of our skill is to help flush that flush that out and encourage those discussions and get a framework on the on the page that says okay well that this is a pretty reasonable list that we can now shoot for Absolutely. And, and I think once that's been established, then the next really important part is to come up with a number of different strategies that's going to help that client achieve those goals. Um, and then let them know about alternatives as well. Look, here's one option that we can do that's going to achieve this goal. However, we could also do this as well um, to provide the client not necessarily with a, a choose your own adventure, but it, it is really to provide more than one recommendation that yeah. shows that you can meet the client's goals. Um, I think that's really important. And then usually we use financial products to execute the strategies that help the clients achieve their goals. Um, and that's where the recommendations come into play, um, which are contained in the statement of advice. And that might be to use a particular super fund with a particular asset to invest in or to take out a certain type of life insurance to get your estate yep. planning affairs in order and everything pretty much in between. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, that they are the components, if you like, that uh, we've just outlined those. Um, now, normally, you know, Marcus and his team uh, are looking through our files and and really in each of these components, that discovery component, the goals that we did structure, the strategies we considered to deliver that, and then ultimately what we recommended, all of that goes through a framework, uh, which you might be able to ex just uh, briefly explain, Marcus, a bit of a scorecard, I guess you'd call it, to judge ultimately did the was the advice good. And that's exactly what it is. It is a scorecard. So what we've developed in line with recent legislative and regulatory changes is a new advice matrix 
So essentially, we've got a number of questions that flow through from that discovery um, process all the way through to implementation and also review. Um, so as we review a file, we go through each section and each section has a series of questions. And we can either answer those questions as in, yes, this has been satisfied. Yeah, it's been satisfied, but it could have been done a little bit better. And this might be a learning and a coaching opportunity for the advisor or in very few cases, no, this hasn't been met and this could be a problem. And then it's, yeah. then it's our role as the licensee to again, coach the advisor, make sure that any advice that did happen to be deficient is corrected. I think, uh, Marcus, for those that um, you know, that don't understand uh, this process, I think it'd be good for them to understand that this isn't some sort of um, club where everyone's just in the game automatically and even though they keep performing poorly, they get to keep their spot in the team. Well, you do, and if if it is not meeting the the standard, there are consequences for that, aren't there? There certainly are. So, there's always been a consequence for poor advice to be reported to the regulator. However, as of the first of October last year, our the legal framework for that reporting was significantly strengthened. So. The Corporations Act is a very, very ugly piece of legislation. Uh, it's very, very long and it's very, very complex. Where there are breaches of the Corporations Act from an advice perspective, all breaches that carry a civil penalty provision under the law have to be reported to the regulator now. So that could be something where an advisor may have slipped up from an administrative perspective um, and, and not issued a particular document within the time frame, but the document was still issued, the advice was mm. great, the client's super happy, yet because of that little slip up, that must be reported to the regulator now. So the framework is very, very tight too. I like your analogy about if if you're not performing, you don't keep your spot on the team. Well, you don't. Yeah. Like that's, that's just pure and simple. And to one of your earlier questions, just the absolute breakneck change that we've had over the last 30 years, the scrutiny on advice and on advisors is nothing like any other profession. Um, so I think consumers can really take heart that advisors who operate under a well-structured licensee and they have a well-structured business will be doing the right thing. Yeah, there's just no room for them to be able to remain, is there? No. In the current, in the current format. We've also got a very active complaints body um, called AFCA. Um, so advisors not only have regulatory oversight by their licensee, there's regularly regulatory oversight by the Australian Securities and Investment Commission. There's also oversight by AFCA, which is the complaints body. Um, so there, there are a lot of sets of eyes looking at advisors and looking at the advice that we produce. Yeah, great. Um, I, I would love to just touch on probably a bit of a, not lighthearted because it's not a lighthearted issue, but in terms of um, this particular case as an example, or touching on scams, um, the number one podcast in Australia in the last couple of months has been uh, one called Liar Liar, which was the story of Melissa Caddick. Melissa Caddick was um, a scam artist who 
convinced people that she was a financial advisor. And I know that this sort of rankles with you a bit, Moz, because um, the press constantly do call her a financial advisor. But I'd love you just to talk through that a little bit. Yes, it, it does rattle me a little bit because <laughs> I suppose the first myth that we can bust with the Melissa Caddick um, case is she wasn't a financial advisor. She wasn't licensed under an Australian financial services licensee. So no. all of the things that you and I have just talked about, hopefully for the benefit of your clients, none of that oversight was there. No, because she wasn't actually supposed to be there. She wasn't really there. Yes. So from that perspective, she just had a false license. She made up a license and, and tricked people into believing she was actually a legitimate bona fide financial advisor. Exactly. And, and this is where I think clients need to be careful as well. Like from an advice perspective and a licensee perspective, advisors will not take clients' money. Like it is against the law to do that. Yeah. Yes, we will give recommendations to direct funds into certain superannuation trustees or an investment platform or when an a client would like to withdraw some funds. Those funds are never paid to the advisor. Those funds. No, should... they always institution to institution, aren't they? Always institution to institution or client to institution and in institution to client. Yep. So it's probably a really, really strong point there is that most of the time you do hear about a scam, and this certainly was the case in, in this Melissa Caddick case, there's some reason that that scam artist is putting forward to say, you need to pay the money across to me. So I've got, got control of it. That should be the very, very first red flag of many, many red, flag, red flags. Yeah, because right. just and And for any of your clients listening, as we said before, it goes client, institution, institution, client. Yep. I know of one um, locally here, which was an accountant-based one, and I personally know a couple of people who were caught up in that. But, yeah, the accountant had told those clients there was some sort of trust that he had that he ran the money through to get a better deal for his clients on the tax and so what he actually was doing was presenting them with the tax return telling them this is the amount of tax you need to pay he was taking that money from them and then he was falsifying that to into a lower tax return which he submitted to the ATO and he don't pay that amount so he'd keep a portion so again what was the red flag why would anyone need to give the money directly to the accountant should be going straight from the client to the ATO. And having just paid a hefty tax bill, I know for a fact that you always pay direct to the ATO if you have a tax bill. That's why they have That's the right. MyGov portal um, to go in and make the payments through that. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, anytime there's something put on the table that might be like this special thing that just only I do that others don't know about or have, it's, you know, it sounds a bit too good to be true, doesn't it? Oh, most definitely. And, and you know, the expectation of very high returns for very, very low risk investments is always a red flag as well. Um, yeah. Investment returns come from either taking on more risk or taking on less risk, depending on what your tolerance is and what your aversion or exposure to risk is. Mm. Um, you, 
to your point, if it, it, if it looks too good to be true and it sounds too good to be true, guess what, folks? It's too good to be true. <laughs> Absolutely. Just uh, quickly, um, I would love, Moz, for you to just give a, a, a quick snapshot to listeners just to say, okay, well, if they're considering – uh, using a financial advisor or they've got even someone they're looking at right now, how would they go about checking exactly what we've just talked about with how can I check how they're structured, who regulates them, what license they work under and all that sort of thing. And and if they are under a license, how do I check on them too? Yeah, very good questions. So ASIC has a website called Money Smart. On the Money, Money Smart website, there is a function there which is the financial advisors register. Clients or customers can go into that register, it's free, open to the public, and put their financial advisor's name in. And then if that name hopefully comes up, they can yeah. click on that and there's a number of things that they can check. First is the licensee that they operate under. The other thing is, is their authorization current? So are they currently a financial advisor? Yep. The other part is, what can this advisor actually give advice in? Um, so it lists all the authorizations that that advisor is actually licensed and authorized to provide advice in. The other thing is they can check to see if that advisor has had any discipline reaction. So any banning orders or those type of things would, would show up on the financial advisor's mm. register. And another important part, which came into effect as of July last year, is has that advisor done their professional hours for the year? So advisors who advise in various different types of advice have to demonstrate their competence by doing a number of hours of learning in that particular area. For example, um, Tim, I know you know from a from an insurance perspective, you have to do a certain number of hours learning about insurance product structures and those type of things to actually remain competent. Yeah, that's right. If an advisor doesn't complete those hours in that particular financial year, it has to be noted on the financial advisor's register. So down the bottom, it has CPD requirements, yes or no. So you want to make sure that there's no black marks in that box and yeah. that your you could probably have some degree of solace that your advisor has done the required learning, training and development to be able to be good at what they do. So it's a really great tool for consumers to use because first of all you're getting to have a really good look under the bonnet of how has that advisor um performed and and if he's got a clean sheet he or she's got a clean sheet in that previous example we just used of melissa caddick it was a there was a very clean sheet on that wasn't there because she would not have even been on the register so you would have found out day one if you'd gone to Google her um, because she wasn't there. And it's it's such a it's such an easy accessible tool, um, and it literally takes two minutes to jump yep. on. So my advice to any client before they seek advice is, is do a little bit of homework. Um, the first port of call is the financial advisors register, and if you do have any other concerns. Um, find the details of their licensee and give them a call. And I, and I think that it's a must-do for consumers. You know, I, I quite often get consumers that come to see us once they've been on to something called advisor ratings. 
But what I would call advisor ratings, advisor ratings is like a marketing, the, the nice marketing version of, okay, what type of financial advisor are you? So we're all getting to create our own page there. And of course, everyone's going to make themselves look as good as they can. This check that Marcus is talking about is the, that's the hardcore, um, basic regulatory performance. So having both hand in hand, okay, once they tick that uh, money smart box, then move on to the next box, which is, okay, well, I've got a few that I'm looking at here and which one seems like they, they structure their business a bit more aligned to me. Yeah, and advisor rating certainly has a place. Um, it's just for really objective, bare bones, baseline information. Yeah. Is this person licensed? What are they licensed to give advice in? Have they met their CPD and their learning requirements? Have they been banned or disciplined? Like, once you tick those boxes, then you know a- any other site or any other referrals or reviews that you can read about advisors will probably overwhelmingly be positive. Yeah, but if you want, agree. the hygiene level is on the financial advisors register. Perfect. Uh, well, that's been great, Moz. Um, anything else you'd like to to add there? Just as a, as a, a sign off for for people that are, I guess, wanting to have a level of comfort that um, the pe- people that they're choosing to deal with are, you know, really high quality people. Do your homework. Um, do a little bit of research. Um, just because your next door neighbour said that, oh, I got advice from Marcus. Yeah, he seems like a really good guy. You should go see him. Still do your research. Yeah. Um, and ask questions. Um, most advisors are like, as Tim and I would attest, we're always up for a chat. So we love being questioned. We love being quizzed about what we do and how we do it because we're passionate about what we do and how we do it. And we always want to do the right thing. So please. Pepper us with, with questions because we love it. Really good point because I think uh, one thing I would say to anyone, if the advisor is not prepared to answer those questions or you don't feel they are prepared to answer them to the level that you need, that's just a, a red flag for me straight away because it's like, well, if we, we can't even get the questions answered at this stage, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's only going to get worse from here. And that's a really good point. Awesome. Thanks a lot, mate. I really enjoyed that chat. Um, and we will put uh, those links to the Money Smart um, site in the show notes for the podcast. And Fabulous. we'll also might put um, some details about Affinia on there too, because we love Affinia. It's a great we group. We do. We do. <laughs> now, thanks so much for having me along today, Tim. It was really great. And I hope your clients get, um, get a little bit more information from this. Awesome, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass is Greener Facebook group where you'll connect, share and learn from other people just like you. Well, I hope you got a little bit from that chat. Now, Marcus is, you won't mind me saying this, he, he is a maths nerd. He's a very, very detailed person. And, you know, we are really lucky to work with a group like Affinia and, and run by a person like Marcus because their level of detail that goes into what we're doing is really high. And it's helped us improve 
the services we deliver to our clients. I'm going to make those uh, links to Money Smart um, available on the show, show notes to this podcast episode, as well as we'll post that in the Facebook group during the week as well, because I think it's a really important one for people to to tap into um, if they're thinking about uh, doing business with a financial advisor. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.